Welcome to a crossover edition of Wizards After Dark and Thunder After Dark. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me, the host of Wizards After Dark, I've got Fred Katz. Mr. Schlecht, is, is, I need to know. Like right off the bat, I just got to know, like you're you're now you're now working on Wizards After Dark and you host Thunder After Dark. Like, is this is this the most comfortable you've ever felt on a podcast? I've never known more about like Devin Hall and then (laughs) who's like Mo Wagner or Admiral Schofield. I've never had two teams where I've known so much about their the guys that just don't play. The, the irony of you saying that and mispronouncing Admiral Schofield oh. is, <laughs> That's true. is tremendous. Uh, you, we can talk about how many Wizards players are just incredibly difficult to pronounce here in a minute. Uh, and also Brett Dawson joining us from Thunder After Dark. What's up, Brett? Andrew is so comfortable with Admiral Schofield and Darius Basley. There's He's just there. like is really, <laughs> is really up to date on everything yeah. that's happening with these. Feeling great these about about Ian Mahimi and <laughs> Isaac Bonga, Mo Wagner. By the way, loosest interpretation yet of After Dark. This game started at 9.30 in the morning for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually just After Dark. Like, literally After Dark. Uh, yeah. Also, Shagilgis Alexander <laughs> is one of my favorite players. Uh, so, the Thunder beat the Capital City Go-Go. 121 to 103 in this game. Can we even call them the Wizards anymore? Because this isn't, they just don't, do they even feel like the Wizards to you anymore, Fred? They do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, this is just what they've kind of become. Look, I voted for Bradley Beal for all NBA. And I I don't, I don't think Bradley Beal is going to make all NBA. I think he's going to fall just short. I think he could be the guard who gets the most votes who doesn't make it. Yeah, I think he's going to at least be within the top two guards who don't actually make it. But I think he's going to fall just short. Mm -hmm. I voted for him because I just thought what he did for the Wizards offense this year was unbelievable. And it wasn't just the individual offense that he had being one of two guys who was averaging 30 a game. It was also the fact that he just made the Wizards offense so much better. They were like nine points per 100 better when he was on the floor. And they were 13th in offensive efficiency coming into this, really without the talent around him. For as bad as the Wizards' defense has been, the Wizards' offense in the bubble is ranked lower than the Wizards' defense. I think they're 21st out of 22 in offensive efficiency right now. And they were a, a legitimately good offensive team this year. Now, the votes were due before the bubble game started, but we're six games in right now. And I'm looking at it, I'm like... You know what? I feel good with my Bradley Beal All-NBA vote right now because look at what he did for this offense. Like they just can't generate stuff. And with Beal, they were like a legitimately good to very good offensive team throughout the year. So it doesn't quite feel like the Wizards, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, this is the Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they just don't have anybody that can that can create anything. And where the Thunder, I mean, the Thunder are missing one of their best creators, Intruder, and they still have guys. That they can go, that can go out there, especially Chris Paul, who was incredible. I mean, the, the Wizards' defense kind of lent itself to this, but his passing today was tremendous. I thought. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's weird to think about at the beginning of the year in the su- last summer, 
so long ago. Uh, all the talk about, is Chris Paul even going to want to be there? Is he going to try to engineer his way out? And now, like, look at the guys he shares the court with. And he's like this professor out there where he's like he's getting Darius Baisley into spots to to get shots. He's getting good looks from Mike Muscala. Like nothing could be further from the truth than the idea that, that Chris Paul was going to go to Oklahoma City and just pout and not do his job. Yeah. You know, on, on the postgame press conference, I got really excited because we were wrapping up. Scott Brooks was was on the video conference and we were wrapping up. And they say, last question. And Wizards PR says, uh, last question from uh, Barry Trammell. And I was like, yeah, look who made it to the Zoom. I was so excited to hear Barry's voice on it unexpectedly. And he asked Scott Brooks about the last time these two teams played. The Wizards beat the Thunder in Oklahoma City at the very, very beginning of the year, like literally almost a year ago. And he asked him, what is the difference between this Thunder team and the Thunder team that the Wizards beat in Oklahoma City? And Scott just said unequivocally, it's Chris Ball. Just look at the way he's playing. Look at the way he leads them. Look at how refined he is. And look at how he just plays winning basketball. And like Chris Paul in this game was 13, 6, and 9. And he absolutely, like he dominated this game, right? Like how many of those open threes, Thunder hit 18 threes, how many of those open spot up threes were because Chris Paul did something in that possession to open it up? I mean, so many, how many of those, how many defensive plays did we see Rui try to post him up from 12 feet, which is like, okay, rookie, you got to realize this is Chris Paul. This isn't your average six footer. You're not posting this dude up at 12 feet and being successful the majority of the time. That's not how it's going to work. How many times did we see him fight that and just make a defensive possession for them? He is just, I mean, we talk all NBA. I put him second team all NBA for a reason. He's just so much stuff that's not in the conventional box score numbers this year. He's he's been unbelievable. Yeah, you talk about not conventional box score. I mean, he's four of nine from the field and he controlled the whole game. Like like how many players can shoot nine shots and control the whole game? There's just not that many guys that do that. It's incredible, and you see that uh, you can see obviously, Andrew. You you mentioned Schroeder, and and clearly the second unit misses Schroeder. And even in a game like today where they were in control and there was not really a threat at any point, you can see the difference. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander was not great today. Um, his decision-making has been really up and down, I think, when, when Chris Paul's off the floor. But, man, the way that offense runs when Paul is out there. It, the, the fact, like, Gilgis-Alexander is a terrific player. And the drop-off you see in their offense, some of that is the guys playing around him. But a lot of it is just Chris Paul has a mastery of an offense that just very few guys in the history of the league have ever had. And certainly nobody else on the Thunder has. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not I'm not the hugest fan of individual game plus minus. I like it on a larger sample size. Individual one is flawed. This one matches the eye test. Go check the box score. Chris Paul plus 26. Mm -hmm. That passes the eye test. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, On the Wizards side, uh, Jerome Robinson in the bubble has kind of shown some flashes. What are what are your thoughts on how he's he's developed and how he's looked during the bubble, Fred? I'm I'm confused about Jerome Robinson. I shouldn't say confused. That's the wrong word. I'm um I'm trying to figure out how much this means for Jerome Robinson because Jerome Robinson was like the, there there's the old NBA adage of it's a make or miss league, right? That's what everybody says. Yeah. And you don't want to ju- you talk to a coach after a game 
and somebody doesn't shoot well, and if you slip up and you ask that coach why that player didn't play well, the coach will point out, well, he moved the ball well, he defended well, he did all these other things, he just didn't shoot well, right? Like how often does that happen? And with with Jerome Robinson, he seems to be really consistent on a lot of things that have nothing to do with shooting. His defense in and out is pretty consistent each night, especially on the ball. He's pretty okay defensively on the ball. The way that he plays, the way he spaces, occasional cuts, that kind of stuff, like pretty consistent. The difference with Jerome Robinson is, is he going to make his shots or is he going to miss his shots? He's been a really bad jump shooter through his first two years in the league. Up up until the bubble, he was 30% from three and 29% on long twos, which is just really not good and not what you can have from your two guard unless he's maybe just going to figure out how to dominate in other ways, which Jerome Robinson hasn't done. So if he's not going to hit shots, then he's just not as viable of a player. And he's really been hitting shots in the bubble. And I don't know because it's been six games. So I don't know if this is six games. I don't know if Jerome Robinson has figured something out with his jump shot. His jump shot looks good. It's not like he's got some crazy hitch in it or anything like that. It's pretty smooth. He rises quickly. The other thing I wonder is that if you talk to people with the Wizards about Jerome Robinson, the number one thing they say about him is it's confidence with him. He just needs to feel confidence. He needs to feel confident going up. And that was what they said from day one. And that was what Clippers people said about him, too. I hit up some Clippers people when when uh, the Wizards traded for him. That was the first thing the Clippers people said to me, too. So clearly there's a theme with Jerome Robinson. And I don't know, Brett, help me out on this. There are certain parts of like mental parts of the game. I don't know how to evaluate in the bubble because if he's shooting really well and he has his confidence, like how much of that has to do with the fact that he's just not playing in front of people, you know, like if you're not a confident guy, you, you might play better when there aren't 20,000 people watching you. you know? Yeah. I think the bubble's hard to evaluate for a team like the Wizards in particular, because how much of anything is, you know, the, 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 you hear this said about teams sometimes, the horse racing metaphor, passing tired horses. The Wizards don't have anything. There's, there's no stakes for them now. And they're going to play some teams that are going to be a little less engaged because the Wizards are so insignificant. No slight to, well, yeah, slight to the Wizards. They're insignificant. Um, at this stage. So I think it's hard to gauge anything for a team like that, because what are they playing for? This doesn't look anything like what they'll look like when Bradley Beal is playing. You know, how do you evaluate anything? And I think the empty gym thing is certainly a thing that you look at with everybody. Um, why are the Suns suddenly good? The bubble is weird. You know, there's it, it's hard to evaluate exactly what things mean in the bubble. For the Thunder, it may mean a little bit less because Terrence Ferguson returning was one of six from the field. So seems about right. <laughs> I thought the fake fans might start to boo Terrence Ferguson as he <laughs> I know, poor guy. Kept, <laughs> kept missing those shots. He just couldn't make anything. No, he could not. It was good to see him back on the court. Uh, this was his um, one of his first returns to the court uh, in a real game for the Thunder. So it's good to see him back out there. The Thunder were missing uh, their two big men in Neural Zowell and Steven Adams that were both sitting out today. It's funny that like everybody wants to like, oh, this is just precautionary. It's just precautionary. Like we, we all saw Steven fall like terribly awkwardly. He returned to that game and then hasn't played since. I, I, I know they say it's not, it's nothing, but I still worry a little bit about that because I think if Steven got ran over by a car and could still stand up, he'd be like, yeah, nothing happened to me. You know, I mean, that's just how he is. 
And so I do worry a little bit about Steven. But uh, in his stead, Mike Muscala stepped up. He was 4 of 8 from 3, 5 of 11 overall from the field, 14 points, 3 boards, and an assist. I thought that he played really well uh, in place of Steven. That's why you show up at Mike Muscala's door when free agency opens. Is for a game like <laughs> Sam right. Presti was thinking about August when he made that move. Um no, look, Muscala was good. He got off to a good start. I think early, very early in the year, Chris Paul talked about Mike Muscala and said that he told him pretty early on, I get big guys' shots. It's what I do. Yep. Um, and he, for Muscala, and when they're on the floor together, they have a really good feel in that kind of pick and pop game. Um, it was, you know, he's, he's, this is what Muscala can do on a night when he makes shots. And obviously when he doesn't make shots, he's not going to protect the rim. He's not uh, much of a deterrent. He was not much of a deterrent at all to the Wizards driving. You've got a lot of problems if you don't have both of those guys, uh, Adams and Noel, but uh, Muscala was a really nice fill in offensively. And then I think what they got to do was use Darius Baisley there a little bit as well. And that's, that's probably a little bit helpful. The, the Wizards are not exactly your classic, you know, overpowering physical team. They're not really going to play a center who, um, you know, basically even talked about this. They don't really have post up centers. Um, so he's able to do a couple things that maybe might you might be able to force him out of if you had a bigger guy out there. But I thought Basil was really good. Fred, I'd be interested as somebody who just kind of pokes in on the thunder, pops in and sees, you know, what, what they're up to, what you think of Basley and, and what you've seen from him in the bubble and how you evaluate the bubble for him. I like Basley. If Basley can shoot. I see it like if Baisley actually can. So you get five threes today. If if Baisley can actually shoot, is he the first thunder, like the thunder athletic long three slash four type that the thunder brought in and we're like, yeah, he can't shoot, but we're going to teach him how to shoot and then actually got him to shoot. Like, I guess Jeremy Grant Grant. To an extent, but but, but most of Jeremy Grant's progression into like really good shooter is Denver. Like he wasn't as good of a shooter in Oklahoma. His last year in Oklahoma. Last year, last year in Oklahoma City. His last year, he shot well. But but people weren't really, if I recall, people weren't really guarding him consistently at the three point line till like maybe the end of that year. Mm -hmm. Like, is it would has there been a guy who's 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 been of like the Robertson, Hustis, um, like that mold? Uh, I guess Terrence Ferguson would be in that mold, right? Has there been a guy who's Although been in Ferguson's high school reputation was as a shooter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he was supposed to be. I mean, I don't know if you're watching these games, but Hamadou Diallo now is a knockdown corner shooter, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> turned that Allo, guy. Allo's another one. Yeah, it's it, it Baisley might be the guy. I like Baisley. I see it. I get it. He's athletic. He's long. He's got the thunder, the thunder uh style on the wing that they covet. I I get it. Uh, if he can shoot, if he can shoot threes, that's that's so big for them. The thing is, all of his threes were wide open. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's and I kind of alluded to this with Grands. The the value in shooting, obviously, getting the three points is very important. You need those points to win a basketball game. But the value in shooting in the long term, not on one individual shot, but over the course of a season, the value in being able to shoot threes is forcing people to guard you. And he's not at the point where guys are going to guard him yet. Uh, so if he can just get people to shoot well enough to get people to guard him, I think he could become a good player. I think that's the interesting thing to me about him is that he puts the ball on the floor so well for a big guy that I think he's going to attack closeouts pretty well if he gets to the point where he gets them. And that's where you see him, I think, 
make a leap if he makes one is if he does get defenses to really come out and challenge, then I think he gets the opportunity to get into the middle of the floor and create some stuff, uh, either driving and he's a really good finisher uh, or he's a developing finisher. He's a versatile finisher in that he can do it with both hands. He's still a little rushed around the rim for me sometimes, but I think he could get very good at that sort of stuff. If teams start to attack him, I think you'll see that come as he gets a little bit stronger and a little bit more comfortable. You know, all this time we've always thought Sam Presti has a type, right? It's this athletic, long guy who defends really well and can't necessarily shoot. It turns out he also likes guys who are playing with the wrong hand because Russell Westbrook was the natural lefty, um, you know, who plays with his right hand. And and basically it turns out uh, he said today is the exact opposite. He's a right-handed guy who shoots uh, and and primarily plays basketball with his left. Oh, my God. You know what's going to happen? The Thunder are going to trade all their first-round picks for Ben Simmons. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there you go. So is is there a more like Sam Presti is superstar than Ben Simmons? And now, you know, Ben Simmons might be playing with the wrong hand. Right. Is, yes. is there a more is there a more intuitive fit? They could trade him for a bunch of first round picks, flip the first round picks for a star to put next to uh, Embiid. So the real battle from today, Fred, and we buried the lead tremendously here somehow, is the battle between the two most beloved players on both teams. We have the Dort Bonga battle. Who who would you say won the Dort Bonga battle today, Fred? I mean, Dort Dort is is Thunder Bonga. And 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 Bonga is Wizards Dort. So so I think we all want it. I think that's where we're at. Um Bonga actually played pretty well today, I thought. Yeah. I thought he was pretty solid. Um I really enjoyed in the first quarter. When Dort tried to drive on him and shoot a little scoop layup, and it didn't go in. Mm-hmm. And I just was imagining your reaction, <laughs> like you specifically, your reaction to that ball hitting the backboard, hitting the rim, lying on the rim for the, the oh. splittest of split seconds, not knowing which direction it was going to go in, just wondering what was happening. I mean, I, I think I like Dort. Dort's really good for them. Um, and I think Bonga is like, is like, I think he's rawer than Dort, Mm -hmm. but they're, 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 they're built incredibly differently. Dort is built like a house and, and Bonga, the whole thing with him is he needs to get bigger and stronger. But I think they're kind of similar guys. They're kind of raw, raw guys with relatively blank canvases where you look at them and you're like, there's good defensive potential there and they're still learning how to shoot and they can run a secondary or tertiary pick and roll. If you need them to bonga has got to tighten up his handle. I think Dort's handle is probably a little bit better, but, but they can, they can do some, you know, do some stuff with the ball a little bit. It's not like a situation where it's like only spot ups and that's it. They're both good cutters. Bonga's Bonga's become a pretty good cutter. Uh, they're 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 kind of similar guys, and I feel like the fan base has incredibly similar relationships with those two guys, where they're just like Wizards fans have become Bonga stands, at least based on my Twitter mentions, and uh, and I know the same as with Thunder and and uh, Thunder fans and Dort. Yeah, I thought Dort played has played really well throughout the whole bubble. He he was four of eleven and one from three, one of three from three today. So he wasn't like shooting lights out like he was in the last game. Not that the last game mattered too much against Memphis, but still, like, there's just so much there with Dort, and it's it's funny that you that you can compare those two because they both at one point in their careers like played point guard, and they were and they're both 
probably not NBA point guards, but they both have like a good enough handle to where you feel comfortable with them, like grabbing and going in transition, uh, which I'm gonna, is pretty interesting. I'm just going to go ahead and say you can drop probably out of that. They are not. <laughs> neither of those guys is an NBA point guard. I yeah. just want to make that yes. very clear. Yes. I will say I thought Dort today, Dort's gotten pretty good at the baseline. You know, that, that sort of backdoor cut. He's mm-hmm. smart. Uh, he's not, not only smart about doing it, the timing on it is very good. And obviously he's a tremendous finisher. Um, but I like today also that, you know, a little shorthanded up front and he pitched in and rebounded the ball very well. He had 10 rebounds. He can do a lot of stuff. He's a pretty versatile guy. And unlike a lot of those Thunder guys who, um, you know, the the classic sort of Thunder guy, we've talked about that good defensive wing. Um, he is not a great shooter, just like a lot of them aren't. But I just I, I continue to uh, really like that he's not afraid to do anything. He takes open shots. Uh, he doesn't stand uh, on offense. He likes to move. He likes to cut. Um, I think he's got a good feel for, you know, he can catch a, a, a pass on the cut and then move it again. Um, he's, he's coming along and he's, he's doing more than just guarding and then, uh, coming down to the offensive end and, and, you know, being content as a non-factor. There's no question about that. Uh, anything else from this game that stood out? I mean, the wizards, I mean, we've talked about how they don't have anything to play for. They definitely appear to be that way. It was good to see the Thunder bounce back from a really disappointing loss against the Memphis Grizzlies. But again, I don't know that there's a ton to read in into this victory for OKC. Uh, but is there any any closing thoughts from anybody? Yeah, I, I have a Wizards closing thought. I, uh, you know, all the Wizards have talked about, even players are talking with this kind of tone, where they talk about this. This is really just about development. Mm-hmm. These eight games make the playoffs great, but this is about development. And like, look, Troy Brown is averaging like seventeen six and five in the bubble. That's I mean, look, I know somebody's got a score, but he inarguably looks better. Thomas Ryan is shooting threes well. Like there there are Isak Bonga looks like he's he's better than he was six months ago. Those are those are encouraging things. Those are good things. Like and you understand with a losing team and a team that never really had a realistic chance at the playoffs to begin with. You understand that, like. Their goal is going to be development. That being said. I just wonder the psychological toll on coming here, losing all three exhibitions, starting off 0-6. They have Milwaukee next, and then they close with the Celtics. They could easily, like they're looking at 0-11 in the bubble. Now, I know it only counts as 0-8 in the bubble, but psychologically, it's got to feel like 0-11 in the bubble. And I just wonder, like the like the toll that it takes if you go to the bubble and you're like, man, this is our team. This is the team. Like, they want to be competitive next year. And mm-hmm. I just wonder the psychological toll. I don't think going 0-11 versus 2-9 and is going to make some kind of big change in um, how they operate this offseason or anything like that. It's, it's not. It's not. But I just wonder the psychological toll on some of the young guys. Like, I feel like if I were 20 years old and on that team, I'd be like, man, we didn't win one time. Like that stinks, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I just wonder, like I would walk away. I'm not saying everybody there will walk away feeling discouraged. I don't know. I can only tell you what they tell me. And I'm not in the locker room now to get impressions on how teams are, you know, like, you know, when you do a local radio hit and they're like, what was the vibe in practice today? <laughs> you know? And you're always like, it was fine. 
guys were playing basketball and talking about basketball. It was like the same as it literally always is. I can't even give that snarky answer now because I'm like, I'm not, I don't know, man. They're in the bubble. I'm home. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea what the vibe was. Um, but but I imagine there's there's got to be a bad, bad vibe from somebody who's just got to feel super down about that. Yeah, I would imagine so. And I But I will say this for the Wizards. The one thing today that I took away from them on the whole, not looking at individuals, but just on the whole, they didn't. It never got to like 30. It didn't get to 35. And that seems like a small victory, right? But like the Thunder got a big lead pretty early and this is not a very good team. And the Thunder are a team that is, you know, that's a team that's gearing up for the playoffs. And I did think that I don't think the Wizards let go of the rope, as coaches say. You know, I thought they hung in there and continued to try. It would get to 19 and they would get it to 13. And I think that's a good sign. Six games into a winless bubble that you're doing some of that stuff. Um to me, I think like that, you know, and who knows, maybe you're right about the end result that it might have kind of a wearing effect. But I actually thought that was a pretty impressive thing about them today, just from the an outside looking in. And this was really the first time I had seen them in the bubble. I think it's interesting that the Thunder are sort of we talk about this a lot with the Thunder, that they operate on two tracks a lot of the time. And this is still a team that's doing that. They're trying to win now. But the bubble's also been really important for them developmentally and you're seeing some stuff from Baisley and you're seeing some little things from Diallo. So I, I think they've gotten uh, what they would like to get out of this experience as well from just from that standpoint, even as they do try to compete for a seed and, and position themselves as best they can. Yeah, I think it's a good point, especially on Hami, because he's played a lot more than what I think most people would have predicted. And today, like his stat line, like it looks nice. 13 points on seven shots, six boards, two assists, a steal. He's looked improved. I still don't know if he's good, but he certainly looks improved. It's definitely unclear whether he's good, but I will say this. I do think they've done a good job here in these games. And obviously he had some time off before, so he's he's had some time to work and they got to work with him and all that. I think they've done a nice job of just sort of accentuating. Okay, here's what he can do Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to fixating too much on what he can't. We know he can't shoot and he's look, he's made some corner threes. He looks like a more competent shooter. That's a long way from being good, but it doesn't look as sort of the shots don't look as off target as they've looked in the past. But I think he too is kind of getting a feel for, for cutting when to do it, uh, when to take those shots and and when he needs to just move the ball. Um, that's the thing Billy Donovan always talks about as a, as a, a huge thing developmentally for a young player. When are you supposed to shoot it? And when is it best just to move the ball? And when don't you have anything? Uh, and I think he has struggled with that quite a bit. He shot some weird pull-ups and floaters in his career that just aren't shots he makes. And I do think he's getting better at figuring out, okay, this is not a shot for me to take. And so I, I, I also don't know if he's any good, but I think this experience is good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of things before we close. Shea had a, a nice bounce back game. He was 6 of 12 from the field, 18 points, 7 assists, 6 boards. Uh, he played really well. And then Darius Baisley became the youngest player in Thunder Reserve history to score 20 plus points. So there's that. Uh, anything else before we go, guys? I think that's it for me. I think, uh, I think you you blew our minds with your Darius Baisley is young stat. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean that that stat basically says that like the Thunder used to have to start all their good young players. I mean, like back when they were, you know, when it was Durant, Westbrook, Harden. Those guys were well, Harden actually. That's but Harden played a year in college. I guess yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know what that stat means. Is what I'm saying. Um, 
But I will say in closing, glad I got the Wizards experience, one of the few teams in the bubble I had not seen. So very exciting to have gotten that uh, that whole extravaganza. I mean, look, uh, Isak Bonga became the first Bonga to have 14 off the bench in a game with no fans. So I, uh, I also learned how to say Isak, so that was good. I mean, we discussed this, but the Wizards might lead NBA history in in names that are confusing to pronounce if you just read them with the American pronunciation in print because they have they have Isaac Bonga and they have Ian Mahimi and they have Mo Wagner and they have Davis Bertans or Davis Bertans. They have, as Andrew said, uh, Andrew turned Admiral Schofield Jewish with Admiral Schofield. <laughs> they have Anzigas Passicsignus. Passicsignus. <laughs> yeah, that's, there we go. That's I, also I, a very I, classic English pronunciation of that. When, <laughs> classic. When I when I introduced myself to to uh, he I I uh, he asked me. I said his name like to get his attention. And he asked me, are you European? I was like, no one has ever asked me that wow. question before. No. And I was like, why? And he's like, you, you pronounce my name perfectly. Nobody pronounces my name. I was like, no way. And then it turns out, I think he's a super nice guy. I think he was just greasing me up because it turned out that I was slightly mispronouncing his name the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he was just trying to charm the beat writer right off the bat. Wow. <laughs> which is which is the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. Or he was or he is incredibly sarcastic and I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think those are the only two options. <laughs> That's a great one to end on. Thanks for listening to this crossover edition of Wizards After Dark and Thunder After Dark. Hope you guys have a great start to your week, and we'll talk to you guys later on.